Welcome to the Anxious in Austin podcast. I am Dr. Marianne Stout from the Anxiety Treatment Center of Austin, and this is Dr. Thomas Smithyman. And today we are talking about, um, well, you always ask me, like, what's on your mind and what, yeah. you know, what's on your what mind? Are, what, what topics what's our topic? in session? What's our topic and why? Yeah. Yes. And so this one was definitely. Uh, both driven by like what's happening in session and as I've talked about on here already, what's happening to me personally um, was it keeps coming up of this uh, like building community post pandemic or as we start to shift, you know, depending on who you talk to from this more like pandemic area to more endemic um, stage of things. And so, or at least working toward that, you know, we aren't technically out of a pandemic, but just, I have so many clients too, um, being in the Austin area who moved here, say, even like pre-pandemic, like 2018, mm-hmm. 2019, um, and just figured, you know, it takes a year or so to settle in and then a pandemic hits, right? And so they're like, I haven't made community. I don't really feel like I have all the connection I'd like. And so working on how do I do that? You know, when the pandemic was happening, I wasn't going to do that. People weren't going to meet new people and get out. But now as People are starting to feel more comfortable doing some face-to-face things and really feeling the, the um, you know, repercussions of all the isolation. Like, how do I do this? How do I do yeah. this? What's socially appropriate? So that just was really on my mind. And we recently moved a little bit outside of like the center core of Austin. Um, mm. Kids switch schools and things like that. So we're in a new community. And so I have definitely felt, even though I've lived in Austin for 18 years, <laughs> yep. Felt some of those similar pieces of like, yeah, how find it's like moving. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How you find a community, but like in this weird thing of like, you know, we're in a pandemic, but things are starting to loosen up a bit. But what? How does? How do I negotiate this? So that was that was on my mind. Yeah. Okay. So so really the the question we're trying to answer is how to build community when you're starting, and really like as an adult, like how to how to form community like maybe you've you've moved or maybe it's just post pandemic yeah how do you do it yeah yeah because i think it is that two piece of right like building community as an adult but also with this weird socially changing norms mm. kind of as things are shifting a bit but make it right. like how to kind of negotiate that yeah so, yeah. yeah yes yes and who better to talk about this with than a relationship, anxiety relationship expert? Yeah, I have. Yeah, you're right. I have so much I can say on the topic of. I know you would. Yeah, making friends, building community, overcoming loneliness, overcoming some social anxiety. I'm, I have. I could go on for weeks about it. As I can. Anything in this topic area. Yeah, um, I, I so, noticed you were quick to be like, yes, let's do that. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, you know, I was, you know, I sort of thought of that, that question, you know, like, oh, like, how do you, how do you build community? Like, how do you start? How do you build community? And I was like, that's a wonderful question. I love that question. That'd be very interesting for me to think about. Yeah, yeah. I did some research on it, too, in like my goal for our podcast to be a little more structured-ish, ish. Uh-huh. Uh, some like bullet point stuff. So I thought like why it's important, which we touched on on a previous podcast for sure. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but why community is so important to I mean, us as let's, humans. I mean, let's definitely give a, a short reminder. Yeah. You know, yes. Sort of, yeah. Um, and then like you were the how. Say something too. Yeah. And the how, the how to, so why does it matter? Like why is community building important mm-hmm. and how do you go about doing it? Mm-hmm. If you don't yeah. already have it, how do you start? Those are great yeah. questions. Yes. Yes. So those were some of the, and I actually in nerd mode, got all my oh. sat down and, and fully researched, well, not fully researched, but got into some of it, um, which is, fantastic. well, and it's so interesting because sometimes you have to do some, you know, digging a bit to find some research on this, mm-hmm. but this is a popular topic, even in like the research world, which is, you know, slower than uh-huh. if you're looking on like Googling something, you know, finding things that's yeah. actually published research. Um, but there's definitely some stuff out there already. So yeah, I thought that piece was interesting too, that like, this is not clearly my clients and myself are not the only ones who are interested in this topic. That's kind of definitely. the world are interested definitely. in this topic. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think you can argue that having a social life, having friends and community, I think you can make a good argument that that is the most important thing in a human's life. I mean, if you were to look at some of the research, you would not be alone in thinking that. That it, yeah, and some of these pieces of like the why, right? Getting down to Matthew Lieberman, have you come across his research at all? Uh, neurologist. I believe he has a book, yes. Yes, yes, yes. Basically saying that like, it is even more basic than food and shelter as primary motivation for one's behavior, which right even makes sense. I don't know if you remember this from way back from like undergrad when they would do the show the you know old videos in in class of like the monkey where they had like the one yeah. monkey with barbed Harry wire. Yes, yeah. and he had it would provide milk and you know all the things that a baby monkey would need. And then they had another monkey. It was like a a blanket or whatever, and it provided no food or anything like that. And the monkey would prefer the like blanket, blanket mom to the sharp prickly milk giving mom, because yes, this need for like companionship is such an essential part of who we are as humans. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, it's one of our, you know, um, the fundam- we have a fundamental need to belong. It's one of our basic core motivations. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, we um, physically, it has this huge impact on our health. It's a huge impact on our well-being and happiness. Like, looking at some of the research, you can say this is the biggest impact on our happiness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that's... Uh... Totally what I came across in looking at all of this research too is that um like yeah, it has that human connection has like the biggest yeah impact on happiness. Um and even on like physical distress, where they were looking at like um it is helpful in reducing pain, where they would like give pain to a participant and then have a loved one hold their hand and have a bit significantly reduce their pain. Um, mm-hmm. like their physical yeah. pain for it. So, um, and, oh, there's another piece too, where it was, uh, oh, where people, um, talked about their stress and anxiety. This is mm-hmm. 
uh, at a USC uh, research and um, with somebody else with another participant um, and then they would measure their cortisol hormone beforehand and afterwards and that it would be significantly reduced after they like talked about it somebody who would actually listen um, and support it so that like yes it reduces our stress hormones it reduces our physical pain um, mm -hmm. yeah this is something that we all need and I think and thinking of this from like a pandemic perspective is one of the reasons why I think as we've been in this so long, people are willing to tolerate some more risk, you know, because it's really hard to stay isolated for so yeah. long. I mean, it's really painful, right? People, are, I think, are finally getting to understand that isolation from pandemic has significant costs. Yes. And right, even like mm -hmm. increased adoption and in dogs and such, right? How people were have been so desperate for connection. Yeah, we need connections. Mm -hmm. We talked about that in previous podcasts too. That even right, like having animals and connecting with pets can be mm -hmm. really helpful in in helping with all of those um, loneliness and even some of the like health pieces, you know, physical health pieces that. Um, totally can come along with isolation sure yeah yeah and and this so so yeah so this is kind of the the setup for this is that our need you know we have a fundamental need to belong so to to kind of step back on this social life is so important that you could argue that it's the most important thing we have a fundamental need to belong we suffer greatly if we don't have connection our physical health, physically. Mm -hmm. yeah, our physical health suffer, suffers, our emotional health suffers. We're strongly motivated to to make friends and build connections. And for a whole host of reasons, people can find themselves without connections, like without enough friends, without social support, without dating relationships. And those are really tough for us. And yeah, I think one of the, that might be happening because it's been pandemic and people have been shut off, isolated. They've like lost some of those connections, but also uh, people move like moving, you know, moving is, is a really challenging part of this. Like it's a, when you look at all the factors that lead people to feel lonely, moving is a really large factor. Like we sort Just, of focus on like, I'm going to move and it's going to be this cool stuff and that cool stuff. But yeah, you you leave behind all these connections you already had and maybe took for granted. Mm-hmm. Well, and right, I think it's like a double whammy moving in a pandemic, right? Because like moving in regular times is already mm -hmm. so difficult, and then put it in a time when yeah, people are more isolated and you know so many. Th Speaking of our puppy, they it is impossible to find like these puppy classes where they just let puppies come in groups and and socialize, yeah. right? Because pandemic people don't want, especially businesses, right? Don't want people gathering in groups. And so at these very, a lot of these resources that used to be there for us to have, you know, connection and work on finding new places are shut down. So you get to a new place and it's hard to kind of rebuild those or, or find some new ones. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like in the sort of the, the current world, it's not it's not just assumed that we will be interacting and connecting all the time. And this is one of those, you know, I think getting to this further on, but this is one of the issues is that 
we are used to either already having connections or having the world set up in such a way that it just allows us to regularly, repeatedly connect with strangers and people that become friends over time. Sure. Well, yeah. and is a thing too, I think even obviously prior to the pandemic, this came up a lot. I think with clients, I mean, we work with adults, but it's something I think that is a more unique to adult situation too, right? Because kids and, you know, college age adults, that thing, you have that repetition of you see these people on a daily or weekly basis, right? The same people. And that's so much of what creates bonding and connection is not necessarily that you like have so much in common, but you have repeated interaction <laughs> and you get to yeah. you know, build that piece of like, this person is safe or I can trust them or I am used to them. They're not somebody I need to like have my guard up all the time because I see them so frequently, right? Your amygdala kind of habituates to them a bit. Um, and so when you're an adult, uh, and especially like right now, if you're not in an office, but you just don't, aren't in those same kind of situations where you see somebody in math class three times a week. Totally. I mean, I mean this is, uh, I feel like there's multiple points here, like in a row, like sort of all, all in, in the one piece there. So firstly, this idea people have is like, oh, um, making friends was easy when I was young. I could make friends as a kid. I made friends in college, but um, you can't make friends when you're an adult. Like I remember seeing some article from New York Times a few years ago that was basically this argument that any good, deep friendships will come from people that you met before you were 30. This idea that you will not make deep, close friends after 30. Which I think is totally, I disagree. <laughs> totally incorrect. That's not actually how it works. Might have been the writer's experience, but sure. Uh, but people do have this this idea, right? Of like, oh well, yeah, my all my friends are my friends from high school. You can't make friends as an adult. So I think people do find this challenging. Like, how do I make friends as an adult? And partly because I don't know how I made friends as a kid, or I don't know how I made friends sure. in college. I didn't. I don't have an understanding of it. Yeah. Therefore, I don't know how to purposely like do it now. Mm -hmm. I do what I did then, which is nothing and wait for it to happen. And then nothing happens because it's while it is, I think people do experience, oh, it's hard to make friends in adulthood. It doesn't mean they can't do it. They just don't know how to do it. Yeah. Right. If you do know how to do it, then it is very much achievable. I've, I have moved. God, if I even went through the number of times I've moved in adulthood, like California, Seattle, back to California, Boston, Texas, Australia a few times in there, New York. Like I move I move cities all the time. And so I do this and I, I'm, you know, I'm An 44. Expert. Yeah, I'm 44 and I've I have so many like great lifelong friends from post 30. Mm -hmm. and from post 40 mm -hmm. it's 100% achievable and I you know I'll, I'll make friends wherever I go no I agree I mean I lived in Austin for a long time but I um yeah made friends in Austin post 30 and yeah lived mm -hmm. in many cities before I moved here and yeah I agree I think it is those same kind of pieces that, that we will get to as to what yeah. you and I do um mm -hmm. Yeah, what what our process? Yeah, we can discuss kind of what the process is of making mm -hmm. of making Which, friends. 
Another thing that had sparked me to want to talk about this um, topic was I did come across like the Apple Plus, whatever the Apple News that shows up on your phone, um, was there was a Wall Street Journal article about making friends as an adult. Um, uh -huh. And I read it. It wasn't all that helpful, but it was interesting that the author had said she originally had said, had written an article that said um, people are, are wanting or the importance of, I'm going to mess it up, maybe the importance of building community or finding friends as an adult. And then she was flooded with all of these emails and comments about, okay, but how do I do it? And so her, ah. her article was, okay, this is how you do it. Ish. I mean, I think it was not very... As far as she knew, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was helpful, but it was very um, yeah. broad, not, not very specific. Yeah. So, um, we are going to get into some specifics of how you make friends and build community as an adult, at least w the way I think you do that. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Clinically speaking. And yeah, mm -hmm. I do. I mean, there's not, maybe I'm wrong, but in the research that I've done into this, there's not a lot of like specifics on like, this is, you know, the thing. Um, more of the research I've seen is like, we'll talk about like the process, not like this specific one is really helpful. This one, the specific, whatever. Oh, like interventions or something. Yes, not. Yeah, I'm, I mean, the the way that I do it is like I'm obviously have all whatever the research and experience from other stuff. But when I'm seeing studies, it's helpful in that it tells me, oh, this is a particular problem or this tells me how relationships are formed or friendships are formed and then turning that into, therefore, here's how we apply that. If, the better we understand it, the better we can apply it right so for instance the the concept like the reason that you make friends as kids or college students a large part of that is that it's just straight up repeated contact again and again and it's you know it's mere exposure like there's research that if someone is in a classroom with you more times you will have you will feel more positively towards them even if you've never actually talked to them there's just, we just get used to people. Like we all naturally have stranger anxiety, like social anxiety. And the more familiar someone becomes, just the better we feel towards them. And so humans in general, yeah, it's that over time, repeated contact, not big, great conversations, just like yeah. a little bit, little bit, little bit. Which so yeah. makes sense when you think of that from like, uh, you know, habituation standpoint and, you know, like that uh, anxiety predicts like they're going to be dangerous. And I have another data point and another data point and another data point. Yeah. Not that they were teasing, but that they were not dangerous. Mm -hmm. They were not a threat. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing. They were around for this long. We passed each other by enough times. They didn't. That, yeah. Shit. They've gone from being. Yeah. <laughs> yeah they, they didn't stab me. They didn't yell at me. They weren't mean and rejecting. So they just, they just come across as basically good. Fine. Put them acceptable. in that like, good category. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and they're, yeah they don't need to be impressive they're just like basically fine then our defenses go down mm -hmm. our anxiety comes down we become more open and there is this sort of um progression over time right of like i definitely see this happening myself all the time i'll see somebody like i'll go to a coffee shop i'll see him the first time or whatever glance at it the next time i'm like oh it's that same person again after a few times you know you sort of look at each other and you're like 
you know, you might nod or something. And then later on you end up sort of standing in line together and like, you just like over time, there's this little, little bit by little bit, uh, escalation, like graduated sure. exposure of socializing. And after a while you've, you have a little conversation, you have a bigger conversation a few weeks later, it slowly escalates in mm -hmm. a way that's not, it's not upsetting to either of you. It's no giant leaps. That's always one of my mantras. No giant leaps <laughs> to take this little, I'm full of mantras, but that's, that's well, me too, but I've never stolen that one. I will steal this one. <laughs> feel, feel free to steal it. Yeah. No giant leaps. And, and so it's just that that's the way that natural socializing happens. That's how people naturally connect. And in college and high school, you are, the situation Years. is just putting you there. Mm -hmm. And over the time, you're like in place where you didn't have to work because you just had to show up to class. <laughs> I mean, e even in college, I found like, um, you know, from working in college counseling centers and with college students, right? Even in college, a lot of people would come in because they're like, I'm lonely. I haven't met anyone. I don't know how to make friends. I had friends in high school. But then when you talk about it, you realize, well, they've had the same friends for so many years. They didn't have to make friends with them. They just fell into being friends with them. Just from that mere exposure, that repeated contact, that slow growing exposure of connection. Mm -hmm. And then they find themselves in college going like, wait, I don't have friends. My friends, we all split up or they're back in a different city. How do I purposely do this? Like, mm -hmm. How do I start from scratch? I just don't know how to do it. And so we end up having to like, identify well these this is the factors this is how it works and here's how we do this intentionally mm -hmm. rather than just falling into it so yeah at, at the risk of adding too much research there's there's another love it. there's another study that, that looks at um beliefs about how connection happens and how friendship happens and in the study the people that believed that connections just occur it's just organic and it just naturally happens. Um, they ended up being lonelier five years later. Um, and not because it can't happen organically and naturally. It's just that if, um, is that there's a certain level of intentionality that's required, I think, as an adult, mm -hmm. because you may not find yourself in that that nice setup where it can organically happen. If you're hanging out in your room and watching TV. It's not gonna happen. Not gonna happen. If you were like working from home, you don't have like those office interactions. You don't have the commute interactions. Social interactions that we have talked about in previous podcasts. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Snacks, mm-hmm. If you don't have those social snacks, those little, then how's it gonna happen? You're gonna have to deliberately like intentionally go about doing it. Mm -hmm. Well, and this is something too that, yes, I've talked about with clients as part of the how is it's not just a one-time thing, just like with, you know, exposure, it's not a one-time thing. So signing up for like regular, you know, volunteer times or a class or something where you're expected to be there every week, um, right? That is where that piece is going to show up of like, I, I see these same people sort of over and over and over again. Um, and yeah, at first they're all going to be strangers and it's going to be awkward and uncomfortable. Yeah. And the more time I, I go, you know, mm -hmm. seeing the same people again and again and again is when it's going to start to shift. So it can't be just, just like with any exposure, it can't be just a totally. one-off thing and have these expectations that I'm going to yeah. have a community. 
Totally. Yeah. So, so one, and that's true. One factor, like one clear factor in this making friends or overcoming loneliness as an adult is you've got to deliberately intentionally go out and put yourself into situations where you can have repeated contact mm-hmm. with people, which means, um, I'd be curious to hear more of yours, but oops. yeah. Um, have your therapist, um, native American blanket wouldn't be good, right? a, Pendleton. You wouldn't be a good, um, card carrying psychologist without it. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so thinking about like, well, as an adult, what are some uh, positions you can put yourself in where you will have like repeated contact with people? So for me, I think about, well, it's becoming like a regular at um, places, like whatever your interest is. For me, when I was younger, it was probably like certain bars or like music nights or whatever, or definitely like going to open mic nights and playing songs. Uh, now it's more like, you know, coffee shops and co-working spaces and that's not yes, the co-working space I think is huge, yeah. especially as people are yeah. starting to feel a little more willing to be in person. I'm like, mm-hmm. I know what's expensive, but guess what? It's no more expensive than weekly therapy. <laughs> totally. Yeah. And you do kind of have to invest in the process, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, so like yeah, co-working stuff, especially where there's like like any anything where there's like events too. So where you're like you're part of some community that then has talks or events or something, then you can show up and you've got that like, oh, we're all part of the same community and here's a, an event where we're specifically socializing. You know, that those can be great or like clubs or classes or dance nights, um, like dance dance sort of training things. Improv is, is amazing both for like treating social anxiety and for giving you that consistent like meeting people again and again and again. Mm-hmm. Also, this is like like kind of bonus. I feel like a bonus tip here. There's some of these um, some of these uh, like classes or uh, whatever have like a culture that assumes we're going to be warm and welcoming and people want to connect. So, improv's one example. Like improv, mm-hmm. part of the culture of improv is you will get to know people you will interact, it'll be regular. And outside of just the class, there are all these extra classes or parties or shows to go to. Mm-hmm. There's, there's a community that's eager and welcoming and encouraging you in. Mm-hmm. That's great for improv. And like, I, I know a guy here who, I, this, this was really, really interesting. Um, he moves cities a lot too. And um, one thing he does is like, he does this certain type of Brazilian this Brazilian dancing and every time he moves cities he just goes and finds the Brazilian dancing clubs of that city and then he like just goes and he does the dancing and again the culture assumes being welcoming and bringing you in and going out for drinks afterwards and so it's the the club or the event is like including Mm -hmm. kind of welcoming Mm -hmm. warmth totally yeah um, no, I think that's true. I, I have a lot of clients who are like, I want to join like a yoga class or whatever. Um, and they're like, but that's hard to make friends. And it is that same sort of thing of 
it, you have to do it repeatedly, but I do love for people yeah. to do a class if they will do it, you know, repeatedly because of the exercise yeah. component, how helpful that is for anxiety and depression. Totally. Um, but yeah, totally. it's not like, it can't be just a drop in. I go whenever it's like, okay, I, I am a, you know, Thursday morning, mm-hmm. 9am class. I am there from here on I'm, out. Yeah. So I'm doing this. This class people. is going to be, yeah. I'm saying you want to do it, whatever, at least 10 times in a row mm-hmm. or something. And and uh, we can get into that next, the next point too, which is the not just putting yourself in that position, but yeah, How what do you do there? once you're in it? But mm-hmm. but I do think that that's great. Like you know, a class where there's multiple, multiple meetings. You're not gonna, it's not gonna happen in one go. Sure. Or like book clubs, right? I think of that piece too that we've always talked about, like activities where you have an interest, so it's not the focus is not just where oh, you go to socialize. Like here's yeah. we're talking about the book, but mm-hmm. I've been in a bunch of book clubs. It's never just talking about the book, but same sort of thing. Like we meet on a monthly basis. And so you have this other thing we're doing, but we're meeting on a regular basis. So we, it takes time, but with those like repeated encounters, you start to form connection and community mm-hmm. uh, yeah. on a, a shared interest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is great. Um, some, some other ones like book clubs are a great idea. Um, they do. It does seem to be fairly gendered, the book club community i don't know if you've noticed it appears to be all women to me <laughs> what? what i i had a book club here that was all guys not not intentionally it's just i'm friends with guys and they like reading mm-hmm. and there were occasionally women that joined and they would just drop out so we ended up with a an all-male book club that's awesome. I'd be curious, like the books you read in all male book club versus the books read in other books. I'd be curious. I I'd be curious also. Yeah, we should definitely compare our book uh, <laughs> books mm-hmm. we've been reading. But but yeah, so I think book clubs a good one. Um, I've also noticed that um, there are these groups that are. So one thing to think about if you were trying to meet people, I think everyone kind of gets this inherently, but if you're if you've moved into town and you're trying to make friends with people that are already in town and established and have been there a long time, they may already have that need for belonging met. Mm-hmm. They might have enough friends and they're partnered and they they may not have this like space and this need to connect. Totally. Whereas there are like if you focus on the people who do have that, who are the ones who are like have just come in the ones who else has just moved mm-hmm. and like they are open they're like ready to meet they're ready to go do things someone that's lived there for a long time they've already done everything mm-hmm. whereas the people that have just moved yeah great go go find them so maybe that's through meetup you know meetups are great for topic stuff but also for like just move to town mm-hmm. want to meet people or um, this may sound a like less your thing, people, but international, um, like uh-huh. visitor groups, like people who've moved from out of the country, sure. they oftentimes will, there'll be communities that are like, Hey, international culture get together. And it's showing people from a different country who are like, I am starting really fresh here. I and, don't know any of the culture. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you might feel if you're not a foreigner, you can't do it, but they will say, Every culture, including the local culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Also, I've had a lot of clients, maybe it's 
being in Austin and a more like tech city, but a lot of clients um, use the Bumble BFF. The, um, ah. Like it's, you know, part of the dating app, but it's not the dating. It's like finding friends. Um, uh-huh. And um, I've had some clients who use it and then um, maybe they didn't make like a great connection there, but will like start to form some groups through the Bumble BFF and there's somebody else in the group, you know, who was introduced from somebody else in the group who they connect with better. And so sometimes a little less pressure than if like, Oh, can we make it like a, a group Bumble BFF meetup? Um, so it's not like, again, we are sitting here having to like put so much pressure on socializing. It's like, Hey, we're all using this app. We're all trying to meet people and have some friends. Let's see. Yeah, what are, who has some is, what to learn to? Okay, be a Bumble BFF. Is that just for women? No, I have a male client who has met some great friends on it. They uh, take their that. dogs okay. on a walk. They have uh-huh. gone to the gym together and ah, okay. Um, yeah, yeah. Okay, great. Yeah, some bars. Um, I wonder why, why I had the idea that it was just for women. I guess that I um, yes, maybe it started off. more of like it, a feminine term, I think. But um, yeah, well, it also may have started as being just women and then it branched out or something. Because I just feel like I remember I did have a client once who was using it to meet to meet friends. Um, I remember coming away with the idea of like, oh, that's too bad. That this isn't for guys as well. No, but, maybe, no. but I guess it is had now. a lot of success with it. Yeah, I think that's right. Great. You get to like pick. There's probably a gendered piece to like what you choose to do what activity right um but yeah no met dudes too that's great yeah yes so um yeah i think a lot of these i think that is it too and we've talked about this before but uh maybe this is a different part of finding adulthood friendships is Mm -hmm. because so much of it before you know was was structures you were put into and were happening to you and yes, yeah. if you move to a new place, a lot of times there are people who already have their community. And so as an adult, in trying to find new friends or new community, mm-hmm. so yeah. much of this is who shows up, who says yes, right? It's not always the people where you're like, we have the same exact values or personality or beliefs or whatever. It's who says yes, who shows up, who keeps yeah. doing it, who then reciprocates and invites you to something, right? And you might be like, I never would have thought this about someone. Oh my goodness. Um, mm-hmm. But like, you know, they put in the effort to have the more repeated interactions and maybe someone you think is like, we're totally alike. They're not putting in the effort. And so I think that's a big yeah. difference. Too. It takes, it takes a little bit of work. And as, yeah, as a kid, it didn't take as much work. Well, I mean, you know, it's funny. Cause I, I, I think all of this is totally true. I would argue it happened as a kid. You just weren't as aware of it because like how many people like, uh, end up with these friends are like, Oh, well, you know, that friends are, you know, it's a bit like this or a bit like that, but we've been, we've known each other so long. And like you, you, you'll have these like high school friends or whatever, where it's, you're not into everything. You don't have the same personalities. You, it just, it was the person who was next to you for long enough. But you didn't have to work at being next to them. I think that's the difference. Totally. Now, yeah. you work at inviting them to something, mm-hmm. and they have to work at inviting you to something. It's not like I just yeah. show up to class and they happen to be sitting. Totally. Next to me. 
Yeah, and I, I think that's that is like one of the real core things of this making making friends right. as an adult is I mean it's that intentionality and like purposely doing it and being the the like like I call it like um like being the social leader like if you hang around expecting the other person to invite you to something, something like yeah. oh hey we like got along really well um we, we both said hey let's do something or that'd be cool to hang out and then they didn't contact me and most people are not because they probably have the same anxieties you have mm -hmm. so like being i think being that social leader is really important of like i if i see some connection or like camaraderie here i will be the one who will take that social risk of moving it out of this into some sort of friendship thing i'll be the one who'll be like oh um maybe we should hang out and do this thing i'll be the one who will like send the text start it to like start it off i'll be the one who will think of what to do suggest it text it because a lot of times uh this is just something you see in the research a lot is we underestimate how much people like us and we underestimate how likely they are to want to talk to us we underestimate how likely they are to be friends and hang out. Like we just have this, um, it's this thing called the liking gap, which, which I, you know, I should do a video about or something at some point. Tell. It's, but the, the basics of the concept are, uh, we assume that we like other people more than they like us. And that gap is called the liking gap. And so this all fits within this realm here like we underestimate how much people are going to like to do these things with us. Um, I remember seeing some study fairly recently of where um, it was about people uh, starting conversations with strangers and they believed the majority of strangers would not want to talk to them. Whereas in fact, everyone talked to them and had a good time. So we, we have this tendency to underestimate it, which means we put up our protective defenses and we're like, well, I'm not going to initiate. I'm not going to be the social leader. I won't take the pro-social risk because it'd probably go bad to protect myself. Um, whereas if we know, no, we're probably underestimating how well we'll go, how likable we are, then we'll take the risk. I love it. That's so yeah. Cool. Oh, I'm totally going to use yeah. that. Those do the... I mean, it's different, but the where clients don't want to like reach out when they're struggling, right? So it's, I'll be a burden. Yeah. And then you're like, well, if a friend reached out to you, if they were struggling, would you be like, oh, they're a burden? Or would you be like kind of flattered that they were looking to you for help or yeah. thought to you? Thought, and, thought, totally. you, thought you were so important. Yeah. Yes. You know, valued you. Yes. But like thinking like the reverse wouldn't be true. I mean, a little different, but. Yeah. Well, okay. So along those lines too, like um, this, this is not my phrase. I, I got this from. Uh, from Eckhart Tolle, and I, it was so, it, it hit so well, I've like hung on to it, which is this phrase, whatever you think the world is withholding from you, you are withholding from the world. And it's just, it's really, like it's this really, really useful twist. Like whenever you're like saying to yourself, oh, you know, people aren't being kind to me, people aren't doing this, I haven't, stop and think, well, um, am I doing that thing? Like, Go first. Be the social leader. Go first. If you want people to ask you questions, ask them questions. If you want people to talk to you, talk to them. 
if you want to be invited out, invite them out. Because a lot of times people are having the same internal experience that you are and they're feeling defensive but wanting to connect. Like there, there was this um, with one of my uh, people that I worked with once, he was uh, working on social anxiety, was exactly this kind of stuff. And he went to some event and he got there. I forget what it was. He went to some event and everyone's just like hanging around awkwardly kind of standing there and he's feeling anxious and awkward, but we've been working on this. So he went and talked to, um, I guess the person next to him, like just made some comment. And the person all of a sudden went from being sort of like closed off and frowning to being like, oh, big and smiley and like saying things back. And then he was like, oh, and then they had this great conversation. And then the people around started joining in the conversation and sort of crowding around. And then yeah, he was okay. like, wow, I'm like the center of attention. I'm like, so he felt so good. And basically these people wanted, to, no one was like angry and closed off and shut down. They didn't know anybody. And so the stranger anxiety was up. So they were kind of protected. And by going first, by being the social leader, it like made it safe for everybody else to like open up and be warm as well. Mm -hmm. Oh, I love that so much. Yeah, um, I, I think of that. Yeah, that's so, yeah, that is like, I love that like, yeah, reframe of is it really that this is all happening to me or what's my role in this? Could I be doing the very same thing? Oh, I love yeah. it. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, I was gonna say, cause I don't have tons of time, um, yeah. some of the specific things that um, are some good things, at least in Austin, I looked up some mm -hmm. different places. Uh, there is um, Partners in Parenting. It's a good support network network for parents in Austin and various groups Wonderful. meet weekly. Um, mm -hmm. Girls New to Austin is a free community in Austin for newcomers to have fun in a safe environment. Um, is that, that just for girls? It's just for girls. So uh, it's not for guys looking for girls who are new to Austin? I don't think so. I don't think that's to make sure. Okay, checking. Um, for volunteering, there is uh -huh. um, community gardens and um, uh, the, 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 totally blanking on the, not Austin Pets Alive, the Humane Society in Austin is now mm -hmm. open to in-person volunteering. Um, so, volunteering is uh, great. Do, do ask when you're looking at volunteering, is it something where you're yeah. in the back stacking shelves? Or is it something where you're actually face-to-face -face interacting with people? Yeah. And yeah. If, if it is the former, then is there some event or socializing or group thing that you can be a part of? Because I have had people do volunteering and then having it not meet those needs at all. Yeah. Although I have had a client once who she, you know, was, had a lot of social anxiety and it was, was stacking things in the back. And so there were other volunteers who would more the, the you know, public facing and they would come back and ask her for things and talk and she'd get the social snack. And it was a great like entryway for her. Cause the idea of being out amongst the public was way too overwhelming. So I was like, okay, this is a good, like, okay. stepping yeah, stone. a good graduated exposure. Yeah. For her. Um, yeah. Austin runners club, um, dance, Austin studio, Austin salsa dance. Think of like a specific group. Wonderful. Um, the yeah. Scottish country dance Alliance meets every Sunday at 7 PM. Mm -hmm. Um, 
Austin Justice Coalition for Politics and Austin Environmental Justice Team, volunteer-led community organizing team supporting local and regional environmental justice. So there's like, uh, it kind of broke it down into, you know, kind of just things in the community, volunteering, dancing, and then more like the political things that there's like all kinds of different ways to specifically get involved. And I think some things to recognize too with the pandemic piece of it is mm -hmm. working with people with OCD and anxiety have different risk tolerance. Um, so what I've talked about with some of my clients is like, you know, Austin is a pretty um, mask friendly place. If that's, you know, a big concern for you, you can always call ahead and ask what their policies are and what people really do do if they go by those policies. Um, a lot of these, like the running groups and things like that are outdoor. There's a community gardens, right? Or working on doing a garden are outdoor mm -hmm. things. That's something that you feel more comfortable in. Um, so I, I think like that's some of the, the other piece of it that I've had with clients. Some feel like, okay, I'm maybe starting to feel a little bit comfortable with doing some things, but how do I have community and still navigate my like, low risk tolerance. Yeah. So that piece of it is is helpful to think about too. That's great. That's great. I'm I'm gonna give uh, one last sort of I guess strategic idea here on um I guess I, I want to give an idea of here's some steps to do when you're like you're in some social situation and you do want to form connections. Uh, whether it's like a club or an event or you're becoming a regular at a coffee shop or whatever it is, but you find yourself in that situation. Um, a lot of people won't have a clear idea of how do I go from stranger to friend? So I find it helpful to have like some mm -hmm. steps. So I'll give you quickly, these are these are my steps. This is how, how I do this because I've moved so many times. Thomas Smith um, hand patented Guarantee to make a friend steps. I love it. Well, these are these are my steps. They may work for you. I think the principles are there. So one is you you are not like bearing in mind you're gonna get back what you put out. You are gonna be the social leader, you're gonna go first, you're not gonna take giant leaps. Um and you're not you're not gonna try to make a ton happen in a short period of time. Uh so no pressure, no focus on the outcome. You're just doing the little, these little steps. Like I actually think of this like um, you're walking around like throughout your week and like, you know, you're trying to go out of your house so you're out in the world, but you're just like kind of throwing seeds around as you walk around. And if you go around throwing seeds, some ground is not going to be fertile. Nothing's going to happen, but you will not through forcing it, forcing it, infertile ground to suddenly be fertile you sort of throw around and some places are going to be fertile like things are going to sprout things are going to grow and those are the ones you like sort of head towards but step by step really briefly it's going out somewhere maybe setting a goal of um doing you know just these really small warmth behaviors like smiling at people saying hi to people asking them how their day is some of those will blossom many of them will not just going during this, maybe if it's a social event, introducing yourself to three people and just getting to say your name, get to know their name, ask basic, basic boring stuff. Some of those will blossom, some of them won't. That's fine. 
and you just stick with the ones where it's blossoming, where it's fertile. And yeah, I think it's a really, sorry. It's like those who show up. Yeah. Those who say yes. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And follow that. And I find it's, um, it's hard for people sometimes when it's like, oh, well, I met somebody and it went fine. I like them. But how do I go from that to friends? So one way that like this has worked, okay. One way this has worked for, uh, for me is staying on top of like what events are that are happening in my community. Like if there's a book talk coming up or there's interesting movies coming out or there's a show that's going to happen, like reading internet or local papers, just being aware of what's coming up that you like. And then when you have a conversation with somebody and it, you happen to have something in common or a topic comes up, you can be like, oh, hey, I have, I'm actually going to go do this or this is coming up or this just happened. And it's really helpful because it gives you some reason to go beyond just like, oh, we have met. Maybe I'll find you at some point in the future. You know, it's more like, oh, well, you know, did you know that this thing is coming up? Mm-hmm. And if they're like, oh, no, that, that'd that be cool, then you can, you know, you have that there's some plan, some reason why you're hanging out again versus mm-hmm. just waiting for it to happen. Mm-hmm. And then, again, in the kind of what I have done system, I then actually go to those things. And I will just text the people that I've met who I think might be open to it. And some of the time, if it's fertile, they go. If not, the odds of them inviting me to something have just gone up by 800%. Yeah. Because yeah. people reciprocate. Mm-hmm. So that's a quick, those are some, that's sort of a quick method here that encapsulates a lot of the principles. So, yeah, um, in summary, humans need connection, incredibly important. It is maybe feels a little harder to do as an adult. Uh, Take some intentionality and some repeated steps or seeing, you know, on a a regular basis. Mm -hmm. Um, And, yeah, kind of having, asking people, putting yourself out there, especially if there's, like, something to do can be helpful and that some people will say yes and some people won't but tend to those those fertile gardens wonderful if uh if you want to have if you want to have more info about any of this stuff think about getting my social anxiety book that's coming out but also you know like us and tell us questions you yeah. want us to get into favorite and subscribe and respond and everything that would be helpful please yeah 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 It'll help yeah. Us. we can't wait for your book to come out it's this topic and more yeah we'll learn yeah. a ton okay well thanks so much for listening to our podcast and we'll see you next month yeah okay thanks bye <laughs>